This is my wife, Sarah, Jeremy's wife, Erin, and uh, I'm technical. Let me pray real quick, and then I've got a couple questions before Jeremy jumps into some scripture, and we'll get y'all rolling. Father God, I am uh, blessed by your grace, and we thank you for uh, just the attendance here today. And uh, we are blessed to know through your word on uh, how to love our girls. And we thank you for uh, just the ability you've given us as parents thus far. And uh, we thank you for uh, just the sheer humbleness in every day that we have on uh, raising girls, which we have come to know as a difficult task. In Christ's name, amen. Just kind of know what we're dealing with. Who has... A girl over five. Yeah. Uh, we really don't have any good advice for y'all. That's all we know now. How about one year old? Two year old? Three year old? So one, two, three year olds. Four? No. Three's are worse than twos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So most, of, so most of y'all are threes. And maybe three. 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 start with some scripture and Jeremy's going to lead us off in that and then we're going to kind of go into like a holistic our experience of we we each have two girls so we're not we're facilitators here we're by no means experts but take notes because I'll have some good stuff later Jeremy welcome uh, welcome this morning we're glad we are glad you're here you know, obviously, as Kristen said, we're by no means experts. If anything, we have done probably everything wrong. And, uh, and you know, hopefully a few things right in there, but we have learned from our mistakes. So uh, the stuff we're telling you today is stuff that we have probably done one way or the other, bad, good, or different. But I do want to thank real quick our wives because uh, they are the ones who were able to make all, pull all this together for you to have your husbands. You know, we're not the best at uh, following directions, and you know, we're like, oh, we'll just show up and start talking. So uh, we do want to uh, thank our wives uh, today. A lot of the stuff you're going to hear about are things that we pull centered on around the next two verses I'm going to talk about. Uh, the first one, most of y'all probably have seen this, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And this uh, says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I think this is important because with your children, all facets, everything in their life ought to be centered around Christ. And when you talk to them, you know, when you lie down, you pray with them at night. Uh, you're talking to them about the Lord. When you wake up, you're dedicating that day to God. When you walk, the, walk them when they get a little older to school or to preschool, when you're sitting in the car, when you're driving uh, you know, down the street, wherever you're going, 
to bind these things on them, to impress these on uh, your kids is very important. And that's kind of what we've centered um, a lot of this on. I think this is a uh, Deuteronomy, uh, is a, that's a great verse just to memorize and, and to have that as, as part of uh, just your memory verses. Uh, the other one is the Great Commission. Oftentimes we think of the Great Commission as going out and obviously witnessing and, and you know, making disciples of all uh, nations and, and telling others about Christ. Uh, I, it's also for your home um, with your kids. So Matthew 28, 18-20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the very, to the very end of the age. And, you know, obviously... Yes, your neighbors and people you come in contact with, but also your kids. You're making disciples out of your children. And to teach them, I think, is one of the, I think, and you'll hear us talk about this later, one of the most important things is to teach your child about Jesus and then you become a Christian. I think it's the most important thing is to teach them about the Lord. And um, so uh, these are the two verses that we've uh, banked on. Okay, well, we're going to tell you a little bit. I'm Erin again. And feel free to go on and on. <laughs> um, this is, we are experienced in the girl territory, for sure, both of us. Um, these are my little girls, Emma, who's three and a half, and Grace is seven. So we're kind of um, out of the preschool years with one and right in the thick of it with one. Um, we, just to kind of give you some background, Jeremy and I are coming up on being married 11 years. Um, I taught school before I stayed home with my girls taught for, I taught fourth grade. Um, I think what else? Jeremy works at Scottish Rite Hospital and has been there for 12 years. And we're just excited to be here this morning. Here's all about And that is Abby, and she is seven, and Kingsley is four and a half. And so our oldest girls are going to second grade, and then Kingsley has one more year of pre-K, and then we'll be in kindergarten. And so um, we, uh, Kristen and I have been married 10 years next month, and we both grew up in Dallas. I went to Baylor. He's been adopted into the Baylor family. Aaron and I went to Baylor. <laughs> um, and it's a long lineage. <laughs> and then I worked, I did starting blocks up here for a while um, before I stayed home with the girls. And um, I work now for our home remodeling business that my husband has and um, do his books. I'm not an accountant, but I pretend to be. And so I do that um, when the girls are in school. And so uh, we met, actually, we lived two doors down from each other. We met them before we were pregnant, but we became friends when we were pregnant. And so our biggest girls have grown up together. And they moved when...
this is completely based on our experience. Um, Aaron and I are extremely blessed to have a group of women that we have done motherhood with. And that we, you know, met when we were before we had kids and that group has changed and all that kind of stuff. But we have a Bible study that we started four years ago and we all have kids within this thing. Most of our oldest are going into second grade. I think there's only one that doesn't have a girl that's already through the preschool years. And so we're doing it together and it's it's great. And so um, when we were asked to teach this class, I sent an email to them and just said, what, what would you want wanted someone to tell you five years ago? What would you, what do you want, what did you want your girl or girls to know when they go off to kindergarten? Because we're just talking about two to five. And so, um, you know, what, what do you want them that first time they really leave your home to know and to believe about themselves and to believe about the world and to believe about your family? And um, so, a lot of this is things that I got from them, and then we took a lot of scripture just that we've clung to in the last seven years, and scripture that we just think, you know, always points us the right way. So, our first point is just in general, and this is so much easier said than done, but know your goals and keep it simple. And if you know the few things that you as a family sit down, or you and your spouse sit down and say, these are the things we want her to believe. And every single thing we do needs to teach her that. And so we just, some of the things that our friends came back to us and said were um, that God created her and loves her unconditionally. And that is something you have to learn. We don't naturally believe that. We're sinners and we... We think, you know, that that we don't that God shouldn't love us unconditionally. Uh, that she, she is fearfully and wonderfully made. That God made her beautiful inside and out. That her identity is in the Lord. That she would know that God has a plan for her and to trust that plan. That mom and dad love her and accept her unconditionally. That she will make mistakes and God will always forgive her. And that mommy and daddy mess up too and need to seek forgiveness from each other, from her from others and from God. And um, this is too many. I don't think, I mean, this was, I think you could take this and say, these are the three things. I think one definitely has to be about that the Lord made her special and created her to for, for his plan for her life. Because as they get older, they're going to be compared to other kids. They're going to be trying out for things. They're going to be in school being left out. All those things that they're going to face later. It's in these beginning years they can believe I am special because God made me, period. Not because I'm a great soccer player or I'm smart or because I can read and all that because already we can see with our oldest. They come home and they say, she's a better reader than me and I don't want to read out loud or he can run faster and I don't, you know, or so-and-so didn't want to play with me on the playground and it hurts your heart but if you already, if they already believe you know, but I know God. I mean, even if they can't express it, I feel like both of our girls do, excuse me, have that foundation of that stinks, but it's not going to define me. And we're still dealing with that, that at 35. I'm not going to be the best at everything, but I have to go back to the core of what my parents did a very good job of, was teaching me that God made me and I'm unique and I'm not going to be the best at everything, but I need to, you know, be what he created me to be. So, um, I just think as a couple, choose two or three biblical truths that you want her to believe. And some of the the verses that we chose that we thought were really good for this age, not only for you to memorize and for you to really know and to cling to, but also for you to use with your kids. They are able to memorize scripture. And if I could go back, we would memorize even more than we did. But our, our church does an incredible job 
in, um, in starting blocks of using those scriptures. So take those and use them. Or, um, we're, and we'll talk about practical ways in a little while, but have a verse that y'all work on all year long because repetition, repetition, repetition is what these kids need. And so these are some, these four verses that, um, that are on your sheet are the ones that we thought kind of spoke to most of the truths that, that we want our girls to know. First one is Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Almost everything can fall under that category because anything she does when she disobeys, are you loving God when you disobey mommy? Are you loving, are you putting your sister, well, her sister or friend or whoever, you know, first when you hit her or steal her Barbie or whatever? But those are two. And then even loving yourself. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Because we're dealing with that a little bit with Abby already when she gets in trouble or she gets frustrated. She has a sensitivity where she'll just say, I'm just dumb. I'm just, you know, or something. And I take her face and say, God created you. You are not dumb. You are, you know, and just telling her that that loving ourselves in the correct way, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a healthy way, it, you know, is so important. And I think so much of that goes back to when you are young um, and what you believe about yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, um, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And that's an incredible one to have hanging in your kitchen, you know, and your, your wherever. And just to always go, you know, you're boasting, you're, you're bragging, or you're not being kind. Love does not do that. When we love others, this is how we act, and that God is love, and this is the example that he gave us. Um, and in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, a lot of our friends emailed back and said this was the one that they, this is a great one for the kids to learn. They learn it here, and there's just a lot of things you can do with it. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's one I go back to because I am not patient with my girls, so therefore I know I'm living in my flesh, you know. And so you can pull those words out and say, you know, I'm not being gentle. You know, you're not being gentle, so that means we're not living, we're not letting God live through us. We're not letting the Spirit live through us. Um, Psalm 139, 13-14. For you, are, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And um, again, that's just another one about who they are in Christ and who God made them to be. Um, so those are just the four that we chose that we felt like we cling to and still cling to and probably, you know, will our whole lives, but just took those truths that we wanted our girls to know by the time they were reached the age of five, by the time they went to kindergarten. So keeping it simple, making sure that you, one friend emailed back, and I thought this was great, and she said, um, you know, about keeping it simple, I wish I had kept it more simple. Um, she said, if I just always had those few things in my head and I was in the middle of something that I was stressing about or that we were dealing with, or if I stepped back and thought, okay, is what I'm doing or is what I'm stressing about, is it going to create, I mean, is it going to lead to her believing these things? The example she gave was, does she have to be darling for the playgroup? Does she have to have the perfect bow in? Does she have to, and mom, get stressed about that stuff. Our Easter dresses, our Christmas cards, all those kind of things, those aren't bad things, but if it is your you know, main thing. So just being able to think about those. Um, and then the other thing, uh, this is the thing I thought of in the middle of the night, was we're going to show y'all 
lots of books that people told us to read, reading books are great, listening to Christian speakers are great, taking all that, but the only thing that is true and will remain true is the Bible. And so you can you can read a book and get a great idea about discipline, or you can listen to a sermon and get a great idea about this, and that's great. Try it, but give yourself flexibility and know that not everything works for you as a mom or a dad, and not everything works for your child, and once you have a second, you'll learn that nothing works for the same, you know, two children are the same. And always go back to the Bible. Always go back, because that is the only thing that holds true. And biblical books are great, but, I mean, you can see that every author takes the Bible and takes, you know, takes takes from it what they want, and this is the thing we're going to, they're going to write their book about. So, I just think that that's been important for me. I, lo- I do love reading, but I don't want to follow a person. I always want to make sure that I'm following God's Word. So, our first section. Next is discipline. Fun time. Hey! I know, like, sometimes going over all this stuff, you're like, I don't want to feel like we're, like, vomiting scripture on y'all. Like, hey, go home. you got to learn this. But one thing, just to give y'all a concrete idea of how kids retain this stuff, is a lot of times Sarah will just get... She just needs a break. So I'll go get the girls. I'll take them with me. We'll drive around my jobs, which is sometimes a bad idea, but it works. And, you know, it, it, I remember it was about a couple weeks ago. We were driving to a job, and it was kind of far away. And uh, Abby just let out this really big sigh. And she's like, Daddy, I just want to, you know, I'm being really patient with that love thing. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think she really knew where that came from, but they get it. It clicks. And it's all about repetition. <laughs> repetition. I mean, it's just like, you know, no, don't pick that up. No, don't pick that up. No, say thank you. Say please. It all transpires. Okay, and this next section is discipline and who is in charge. And I can just, um, when we were going over this, we said who is in charge, really, and what our actions show. And I have to just be totally transparent with you and say that this area um, is where God continues to refine me because I am... struggle with control. And man, if I could wear the pants, I would just love it. I mean, I would just love it. Um, And that really is um, something I have to continually go back to Scripture and how God has created our marriages and how He wants that to translate into how we discipline our children. And um, the roles that we have as wives, it doesn't mean that we don't have a huge role. It means, um, you know, that we need to, or I need to um, have a correct vision of what my role is, as well as my husband's, because it's we work together to um, let our girls know what that truly is. Um, so the first section is biblical hierarchy in your home. Um, Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Well, you don't use that word, but it's in the First Corinthians 11.3, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is, a man, is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, um, find opportunities to point your children towards God's truth of who's in charge. And I will tell you that one of my, um, and I think you'll find when, you're, when your girls get older, 
if you um, are a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom. Either way, you are probably um, more present in everyday discipline situations. I'm home um, with my girls, and I'm so thankful that I can be, but when he comes home, um, a lot of times we'll be at dinner and the girls will ask me for permission to do something because they've done it all day long. And this is, seems like such a little thing that I really try to take those opportunities to say, well, you need to ask your dad. You know, you need to ask him. And um, Or even throughout the day, we will say, um, that, that's something that we need to talk to dad about. If he's available, we'll call him on the phone. I think that's a huge discipline tool as well. Um, I think for you stay-at-home moms to realize that you do get in a rut of just this is hard and we're fighting the same battles over and over again. And, I mean, I will have to tell you that if I let out of my mouth, we're going to call Daddy at work right now. And, he, you know, he's going to talk to you. And then he talks to the girls and says, I'm coming home and we'll have some sort of consequence. I mean, it's amazing. The reaction is just different. And so I think that is a very valuable tool. Um, for all of us to use. Um, let's see. Here's some more scripture. Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. They make things for good enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you want to talk about the Yes. Uh, you know, just to add on what Aaron said, I, I did, you know, having girls, I did tell Aaron at one time that, God, if we would have had boys, I could have shown you how strict of a disciplinarian I am. <laughs> Let me face it. I mean, ha- having girls, uh, they have a, uh, they just have a remarkable way to get dad just, Twisted and turned and wrap around their fingers and uh, but it's you know, you do try to realize that, you know, by sparing discipline from them will not pay off in the long run. It will not. And it's tough and it's hard and uh, you know, it's uh but it's something that has to be done. It, it just does. And it you know Forms of discipline. You know, in, in forms of discipline, we're, you know, works different for everyone. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit. But um, you know, you have to find out what works best for your child. You know, I know our oldest one. Uh, you could look at her, and she would just crumble. I mean, the world fell apart, and she gets it. She learns it. Our second one, we can beat her until you just can't beat her so more, and she'll just say, "Bring it on, bring it on." So um, it's different. It's different for each child. It's different for each family, and you got to find out what works. But uh, and that's along the lines to what Sarah was talking about, just being flexible. Um, because the minute you think you have it figured out, you're going to have to change. Strategies. Um, so that goes along with discipline as well. It, one thing discipline, uh, you know, does obviously is it does. We have up here it does teach respect. In Hebrews 12:9, it says, "Moreover, we have had, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to our Father, uh, to the Father of our spirits, and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as though, as though they thought best, but God disciplined us for good." 
that we may share his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So I think, you know, one of the things that discipline does, not only respect for mom and dad, but it does teach them respect when they get older, when they get into elementary school, their teachers. Um, it teaches them discipline, it teaches them respect when they get maybe playing sports with coaches and other uh, figures. I think sometimes, uh, I, you know, I could go off on a soapbox, but, you know, lack of discipline these days, sometimes you can tell. You can tell kids that don't have respect for their elders, which is something that's not good. Especially when they start school. Absolutely. They're around all the other kids that are not getting the consistency right. that Jeremy's talking about. And that sometimes, I think what we also try to focus on is that sometimes you might not like the rules, but if you are in a situation where it's a teacher telling you, you know, what to do, they are your elder. We need to respect them, and it does. It's not about whether or not you like it or not, um, and just kind of how that translates across people who are, you know, in in charge or whatever. Teachers respect. I always say that everyone has a boss. Everyone does, one way or the other. Even if you're president of organization, you probably have a board over you, and that board has all, you know. So I always say, you know, you got to learn respect. Just um, for continued consistency. I think uh, you've got to be consistent in discipline. And it is one of the toughest things in the world to do. Uh, you know, and a lot of it depends on how your day started. <laughs> you know, being consistent in... You know, what was wrong that time, you, you know, you need to make it wrong the next time. I, that is one area I have failed in a lot of times. It is because I'm tired one day, and what was easy yesterday when I was on my game, the next day isn't. And what that does is that causes a child to be confused. I mean, and in some cases, anxiety. I mean, they're like, well, I probably did that this time. They may not express it that way, but it is. And, you know, they're like, well, why wasn't that right yesterday and today that's wrong? So to be consistent. Also, I'm going to uh, go off here a little bit, uh, but it has to do with being consistent. It's in, uh, something I pulled from Focus on the Family, which uh, talks about consistency in fatherhood. And I think you could apply this to mothers as well. And this helps because when you're disciplining your child, if you're not consistent in their lives and all they see is you coming around, disciplining them, but not spending good times with them, you can kind of see where that's going to start going to. Too, that, oh my God, Dad walks in the door. All he's going, he's bringing the hammer. I mean, so, uh, so fathers, uh, just kind of go through these real quick. Um, this, you know, involve your children in your life. Okay, uh, discuss things with your child. One thing, preschoolers, that I think is easy to do is to think, well, they don't understand what I'm talking about, or you know, there's this disconnect. Just talk to them normal. You talk to them normal then, it you know, shows that you really care. Talk to them about things at work. I mean, you may not want to go into too details, but, you know, just talk to them about everyday things in life, you know. Treat them, you know, just the way that, you know, you want to treat others. So just talk to them. Just be in their lives. Visit with them. Be patient uh, when your kids ask questions. This is something I'm really good at. <laughs> When they're young, uh, how many of your kids, uh, I, you know, especially when they start to get three, 
Uh, and you'll even see this when they get to be past five. I, you know, I think the more they go. But how many of y'all just ask questions nonstop? I mean, just nonstop. And you're just going, for the love of peace, be quiet. And uh, But you know what? Be patient with them. Because uh, this was just, this is a great quote. It says, at that age, they actually think you know all the answers. So, so <laughs> but however, though, you don't need to know all the answers. And if your kid does ask something, you don't know, just say, you know what? Dad doesn't know that. Let's go look it up. Let's find out the answer. Because sometimes they, they need to know that they're not going to know everything, and, and perfection is not perfect. Um, schedule time to spend with your child. I think in the age of Blackberries, I'm old school Blackberry. Y'all probably all have iPhones, but um, you know, and with computers and laptops and stuff going work, and I mean, we're getting you know 100 miles per hour, and in your car, and you have video screens, and you know. Spend time with your kids. Find a time, whatever that is. You know, take them on a date. I think that it doesn't matter. They can be two years old. Take them on a date. I cannot tell you how my our youngest, or even Grace, when she was younger, at two or three. I mean, it was like she was watching uh, Sleeping Beauty or, or Snow White, one of the princess things. She's like, oh my goodness, that I'm princess I'm, here. I'm That's princess. Dad is my prince. Daddy is my prince. I mean, let me say here. I'll be an example of that. And Jeremy, I've done. We've both done this. Of like, Abby was, mm-hmm. I don't know, five or six. She's seven now. She put on her prettiest dress. I don't wear slacks, I have jeans and boots. So I put on my nice jeans. And we went to Purple Cow and sat in a booth by ourselves. And that was our day. And we went and got masked. And like, I pulled up front. I walked to the door. I took her out of the door, walked her to the truck, put her in, and there we went. I mean, it's that simple. And she thought that, you know, we had hung the moon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that morning getting up. And I think we went and got donuts. And then went to Starbucks and we sat and I had coffee and she had her donuts and her vanilla milk. And we just talked. You know, I don't know what we talked about. It was just, you know, gibber most of the time. But it was fun. And that impresses so much on them to take that time. You want to take that one child and spend time with that one child. Do it with both of them. You have two, three. It does take time, but it's worth it. It will pay off. Well, I think we're, Sarah and I are so blessed. We have husbands that, um, and I think this was in your article too, just about if you do like the purple cow trip, that's a consistent thing that Krishna does. Um, the donuts or whatever. It, it's not, that doesn't count for a year. Like he's not, you, you know, I think a lot of times we go back to that, you remember that really special thing we did? And that counts. And sadly, it just doesn't. I mean, that's where consistency needs to come in with your girls. Dates with dads is a big deal. And also, you know, dates with mom. We um, also have husbands that, you know, really encourage that as well. Because I think when you're in the daily rut of, um, you know, we were laughing about this because there's kind of a tone with the stay-at-home mom that pretty much a small percentage were always the best kill. I mean, really, on a daily basis, like because we're the ones who are having to kind of drop the hammer. And so it is great to try to find those opportunities to have fun with your little girl. And, you know, Grace and I just go out and do something totally fun, and they see Mommy act, you know, silly and crazy. And then the next week it will be Emma, you know. And, and also that just teaches your girls that 
each girl has their turn and their time. Because you will have a little kickback from the other one that's not going. But they need to learn that. It's not all about them. Um, and that's also with the, you know, under discipline with the biblical hierarchy. This is not, they are not the center of this family. And, and I, we tell our girls that. And you, you know, they are not the center of it. They're a part of it. But the center of our family is Christ. And then daddy, mommy, and then you. And I think, you know, that just goes along with teaching your kids respect of how he has created marriage. Absolutely. Because one other thing is, as dads, mine and Jeremy's goal, I want Abby and Kingsley to grow up and fall in love with me. Not me as in dad, but find someone that's going to love them that way. And then and all of this starts right at the root. I mean, it's right now. Right, absolutely. And it does, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, be involved in your child's, even as fathers, but then also, you know, be, be involved in your child's education. Um, I think it, at uh, you know, the ages of two and three, to sit down, you know, you can trade off, take the time to read in bed with them at, at night. You know, just it, uh, I mean, not only just because it helps them to, you know, develop, uh, you know, from an educational standpoint, but it also has, it's just once again, it's more bonding time for that child to be with you. Crispin is right. Dads, you're going to model, I mean, you're going to model what a man, at least your daughter, sees and what they want growing up, as you hope. And so, you know, spending more time with them, treating them well is part of that. And that goes down to discipline. That's why consistency is so important that they're they're getting both sides of it. You know, this person really loves me, and this person loves me so much they're willing to discipline and correct me, even though they don't think it's the best for them now. Have fun together. Uh, Just like Aaron was saying, um, one thing with, uh, with, with children, especially younger ones, don't be afraid to act like a complete nut in front of your kids. We uh, have a game at home uh, that's it's, sometimes it's the lion. Yes, I'm a lion. Sometimes it's the tickle monster. And I will get them laughing so hard that they're about to throw up. And but you know what? You let them go, they come back, do it again, do it again, Dad, do it again. I mean, that bonding time... It, and once again, it's bonding, and it's just showing that you're in their life and that you can care for them. And it is hard. Some days you come home from work, and my goodness, the last thing you want to do is to just interact with really anyone. <laughs> but you got to just suck it up because it is. And really, once you start doing it, you're fine. It's just getting over the, that hump. Uh, so anyways, consistency, not only in how you discipline, but also consistency in their life because it does help when that discipline time comes. Um, this is kind of uh, early on and um, direct disobedience versus poor choice. And this is really something, and spanking is including that. Is there a time it's warranted? I think that um, you really have to figure out what's going to work for your child. As Jeremy said, we have one that, you know, if you look at her wrong or say that you're disappointed in her or a choice she made, it is just like the end of the world. Um, and our youngest one, she, it, all the characteristics that make up Emma are going to serve her really well. It's just we have to find a different way to harness that. And so we kind of drew the line at direct, if it's direct disobedience, we would use spanking. For example, if we say do not walk in the middle of the street um, and she does it anyway, 
A, because she could get hurt, but she directly disobeyed us. We drew that line at spanking. If it was a poor choice, we would use things um, like timeout or you know hitting your sister or talking sassy or whatever. We'd use timeout or taking something away. Um, I think for a long time, timeout worked for Emma. Um, and I'm just using her as an example because we're in preschool years with her. But um, and now it's not working. I mean, she'll just the other day I sat her and come out. She's like, "Mommy, that was really fun." I'm like, "Okay, woo, be flexible." so hard because you have to find that thing that they really love, you know, to take away or, um, you know, limit things. And they have to feel that, you know, pain um, and consequence for a wrong choice. I think one thing that um, we heard on uh, the homes, they were, we took a parenting class from them one time, and one thing that really rang true with me is that you don't want your kids to wear you down to a yes. Um, and I, I remember this like yesterday. Even if you think after the situation that you would have handled it differently and maybe you wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have been a no, you still continue on with that and follow through and stick to your no. Because the minute that they think that they can wear you down to a yes, they've got you. And um, we're all going to do that. I mean, we. I'm not saying that we haven't had plenty of times where our children have worn us down to a yes, but we really just try to go back to that because I felt like there's such wisdom in that. Because you're going to get to the end of a discipline situation and realize, why did I do that? But they don't need to know that, you know? And we'll just handle it better next time. So the heart of the matter. Um, this is really the most important part of discipline, but it is the most difficult part, um, really at any age, but especially with preschoolers, because you know a three-year-old can't tell you why they you know hit their sister and you know hit all their Barbies or whatever. She she has no idea. She's just frustrated. But that is just where modeling is so critical to really get to the heart of the matter and say, you know, ask questions, um, go back to scripture. And I know, I mean, your two and three-year-olds are going to be like, what are you doing? I mean, okay, you're reading me this. They have no idea. But they will. It will sink in. And it's just important to start that as early as possible. Um, yeah, and this, the heart of the matter always matters. It's the why, not just the what. Our goal is not to raise compliant children. Our goal is to raise children with hearts for God and for others. Don't just take the negative. Always talk to, take the opportunity to call out truth in a positive way. Who were you thinking about when you hit your sister? Who were you thinking about when you took your tray of food and you know threw it all over the floor after mommy? you know, made the dinner or, you know, also you can just kind of take it any direction that you want. Um, this is our little, and you're going to have to absolutely disregard the cheesy intro of this, okay, because I couldn't get it past, but this, don't click it. Um, the, our biggest thing, this is another parenting class that we took, but this also stuck with us. Do not encourage something at three that will not be cute at 16. How many times have you been, like at Christmas, and you're like, oh, shake your booty, honey, show them how you shake your booty. Well, at three, that's cute. But at 16, not so cute. And I, I honestly can say that I never really thought about it until
until I was at this parenting class. And I'm thinking, that is genius. So we have a perfect example of what's not cute at 16. <laughs> I love Cheerios. They fit in my nose. Peanut butter goes far into your VCR. Har, 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 har. I'm your toddler. I'm a pirate. That's so
teaching her, because there are times where I just don't want to go, I just want to give in so this is over, but don't. Well, and that goes, I mean, we might not be the moms that lay down and kick and scream, yeah. but as moms, that, that does go when, you know, when I want something, I have my own, you know, 34 <laughs> version of a fit that I can do for my husband if he doesn't, you know, do something that I like, and they see that. They pick up on that. And so if I'm doing the oh-so-discreet silent treatment, that's my version of laying on the floor and kicking and screaming, you know, and they do pick up on it. Right, so, right, for sure. And then some of the wording... Oh. I was going to say something. I just saw a There's this commercial on TV about a little girl, and she's like, Daddy, can I have this horse? And she's like, at three, and then at six, can I do this? And it's, you know, all these things like that wearing and being on So finally she's 16 in the commercial. She's doing this at the same day. I'm going to go out drinking with my friends tonight. And he said no. And then, oh, you hate me. You don't love me. You know, and it's kind of like all these yeses to now. And I was like, that was a really powerful thing to see that. Right. Just for consistency to be young. But yeah, she expected that same dad's okay for me doing this. Right. Then when you never say no. experienced or if you're not you will when they can really start verbalizing things is when you say something or you say no and then they remember something hours ago and they say well you lied to me you know you lied and you're going what are you talking about <laughs> they'll throw that one out quite a bit you lied and you know you never let me yeah, yeah. never 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 <laughs> never lie i mean these are it's like, absolute.
bit, and I'm like, well, just come with me. And I just say it that calmly. I'm like, just sit down. I sit on the coffee table, my face front, and I just stare at her for about 30 seconds, <laughs> and she just starts to weaken. And then I just have a very calm conversation. It's not me. It works. But yeah, it's just, it, it's hard to get to that point to have a very calm. chilled, calm conversation. And when you can do that, dads, it's it really is powerful. It really. You're the kid Seventy-five an hour. y'all's kids are, if you're thinking too, you're not going to be able to have those conversations where they really are understanding. But I think when the tantrum is happening, I think if you're at home, I know there's times in Target that, I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, you leave, you leave, and then they win because you left your groceries. I mean, I think that's the constant mom question. What do you do in the middle of a mall? But at home, I think you walk away and you do not let them, because that's what they want. And if they're doing that and nobody's in the room watching it, they're going to give up, you know? And then they, and then I think you have them sit and both of you get completely calm before the discipline starts. Because there have been way too many times that I have grabbed an arm or, I mean, I remember my mom, I mean, doing that because you can't see that, you know? <laughs> Other people can't see them grabbing their arm, you know, or whatever, and, and done something out of frustration and then I've really regretted it. And so I think letting them finish and then saying, you need to go sit on the couch, or you need to wherever the place is in your house, you need to go sit, and mommy will come talk to you in a minute, and then having that. Well, and I think the closer that they, the older they get, the closer your kids get to five, let's say, there is a benefit to waiting, um, and not necessarily knowing what the consequence, there are some things that a consequence needs to be immediate, but there's also a benefit to saying, you know what, I need to call daddy. There will be a consequence to the choice that you made today, and daddy and mommy are going to have to talk about that and figure out what it is. It drives my daughter crazy. She's like, please tell me what it is. <laughs> but there is a benefit, not that you're trying to, you know, cause anxiety in your child, but they need to know you don't have the immediate answer all the time. And again, another opportunity to point to your husband and the biblical hierarchy, that we are going to pray about it and see, you know, what is going to serve you the best because of the choice that you made. Because in the moment, I have said, if you say that one more time, we're not going swimming, or we're not, well, then I think, oh my gosh, if they do it one more time, then I have to cancel on our friend. I mean, like, you, you have to through, and so you can't yeah. threaten something that you're not really willing yeah, to do. Yeah, don't throw something out there. Yeah. You know, you can't <laughs> what? Yeah. All right, I'm still rolling over one of the things that you said but, that I really never thought about, but we're, you said something like, we're, we're not trying to raise them to be compliant, but to... We are not. Heart. Um, it's made such an impact on me that I can't we're, we're trying to raise children with hearts for God, and for, because you will have a child... There are children, I'm not saying you will have a child, but that will always do the right thing because they will become people pleasers. You can see that in adults. Probably some of us in this room are people pleasers. I'm always going to do the right thing because you say that, but I'm probably doing that so that you're going to say I'm good. My question is, I mean, she's two, two and a half, and there are times where I need her to be compliant. So... When is, or what, I, I really, I guess I don't get it. I think that's a very years-long process. And a good book on that is Shepherding, Shepherding Your Child's Hearts, and we have it on the resource page. And um, he really just talks about it is not just about the behavior. At two, you can't see their heart. Now that we're at seven, I feel like I can say to Abby, 
I don't think you can say, why did you do that? I think that's the worst question you can ask a kid because they don't know why they did something. But you can say, can you tell me what happened? This is what we're doing with both of them right now. Tell me. You know, tell me what happened in y'all's fight. What happened? What What were you thinking when you hit Kingsley or when you stole that from her? Or when you, you know, and she can now articulate that. And then we can say, who were you thinking about? Were you thinking about yourself? Or were you so we're trying to get to why she did that. And then, like the other day, they were fighting over this little people thing. And I, and I, by the end, I said, so. I said, you know, Abby, do you feel like you could not have had fun because you didn't have that thing? And she said, no, I could have found something else. And I said, Kingsley, could you not have had fun because you didn't have that little thing? She said, no, I could have found something. You know, so I think just talking to getting to the heart of, of why did I do that? Because I wanted my own way. And I don't think it, too, you can. But I think you need to start that process. And I, don't, I don't think it's uh, one versus the other. I don't yeah. think it's, you know, having the heart of you know, Christ and not being compliant. I think what they're saying is is to lay that foundation to where that compliance comes from. And I, I don't think it's one or don't the other. Don't be compliant just to be compliant yeah. in a role I mean, I think I'm you need to teach them. I am a people pleaser. Like, this is my greatest struggle. My oldest is so much like me. And she just doesn't want to get in trouble. She wants to do... There's nothing wrong with wanting to do the right thing, but I really want her to know we don't just do this because we don't want to make Daddy mad. We don't do this because we you know, don't want to get you know, a chart pulled at school. There is a bigger reason why we follow the rules. I guess, I mean, I, I, what I'm dealing with, I guess we only have one, one kid, so we're only going to have one. So, um, we, so I guess it, it's, it's like at dinner last night where she was being disobedient and we needed her to be compliant. So we were at a restaurant and so it was, it's kind of like, uh, so, so I mean, I don't, I, that, that, that I guess is my well, and I agree. I think the transition happens five, six, would you guys say, as far as coming under our authority as a parent and understanding that, and then the, the transfer of, okay, what's underneath that rather than, I mean, our job at this age at two and three is to understand authority. Oh, you know, that is direct to me.
put the two together right. and only to obey right. the buzzword. What did you do, Bob? Uh, well, we put her in rebound. What we call rebound is, is timeout. So, I mean, she, she was. So, I just took her to another part of the restaurant, sat her down, and let her sit for two minutes. And then sat down with her and explained why she, you know, had her explain why she was in, in rebound. And she could do that. And then she had to go back and apologize and cut her off. So, that's how we did it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that confused you. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Aggie. I'm an Aggie. Yeah. talking to moms um, about your comparison with other moms and your comparison with children. Um, one of the things one of our friends sent back, she just said, comparison, comparison, comparison. She said, you set, we set ourselves up to always be in a comparing game because you will win, but if you win, that means you're going to lose. Your child is going to be the best at something, and your child's going to be the worst at something, and your child's going to be in the middle most of the time. You know, so you're always going to have something if you are comparing constantly that you that you you're going to be up and you're going to be down, and it's false. You know, it's just false confidence. And so, moms, if there's anything, I just would suggest already starting because you can even see it. I mean, I can see how it's even going to get worse as the girls get older from junior high and high school and they're all trying out for things and we're all, you know, and, and they start to make bad decisions and that's going to reflect on us. Well, what did that mom do? Because it always comes down to the mom, you know, and so um, just begin now knowing that you, God created you, he gave you the gifts that he gave you, he gave you this child, he gave you these children, and he knows that you are the mom for these children. He wants for you to do your best, and he, he chose you. And so don't go into situations setting yourself up for failure um, because comparing does set you up for failure. Let me add something in there. It's, it's kind of along those lines. Uh, there's a, a friend of mine who's an awesome, wonderful coach. I mean, Cody Spangler, if y'all remember that, Cody Some of y'all may. He has a good, he has a book, and in his book he writes, Know Your Kids Bent. So understanding your kids bent. And what that means is, and especially, you know, with you're talking about comparison with kids, your kids are going to be different, but know them. Know what drives them. Know what they like. And for me, I wanted personally to have the star athlete, right? So I wanted my daughters to be, you know, they're out there, me and Ham, going to the Olympics, kicking them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, may not be. My oldest one likes to play sports, but you know what? She kind of has more of an artistic side to her. So knowing what drives them, what their bent is, and your kids are going to be different. So what works for one may not work the other. That's just part of it, I think. Uh, a couple of verses that I pulled out, and I'll think you have on these on the slides. But uh, Proverbs 14:30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And that goes back to fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruit of this, or part of the fruit of the spirit, is is peace. And if you are going into every situation with your ch- child, especially when you're with other moms, envying them, whatever it is, um, you're rotting your bones. And if you don't have peace, then you're not living in the spirit. That's and uh, Proverbs what? Fourteen thirty. Um, so comparing to others versus living in community. Um, this. 
feel like has been, like I was telling you about our Bible study earlier, this has been, such, the women in my life and the families in our lives have been such a blessing for us. Um, and we do have an incredible community, community and community group, but also just community that I feel like we all could fall into that. That when we're at Bible study and one of us is talking about our child struggling with this or the fits that they're throwing or da 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 I feel like we have done an incredible job and I hope the nine and every the other eight women feel just like, I know, I know. I did, you know, we had the same fit and target today. I know, you know, just so having people around you that are going to be transparent and are going to be authentic about what's really going on. Because we all want to put on a great face. We all want to dress her cute and put on a bow and Acts perfect at the play group, but that's not life. And so, um, so I think there is that that fine line of having a community of others, and and not falling into the into the um, comparison game. One example that my friend Missy gave me, she said, when our oldest were two. She said her oldest was throwing these fits, and Kyle would say, I think something's wrong with her. What is going on? I mean, you know, just that dad just is like, doesn't see it all day, and I think we need to do it. You know, well, then he was having lunch at Christmas, and Christmas was saying, Kelly's throwing these fits, and they were like, oh, good. Okay, I mean, you know, it just makes you just breathe easier, because you just think, I'm the only one that has done this all day long, and we have Bible say on Monday nights, and we all get there, and we're all just like, you know, and then we're just like, okay, you had the same day I did, let's encourage each other, you know, and most of us have. Um, in our Bible study group, we have multiple children now. And so I can just speak for where most of you are, um, and this might not be where you're struggling, but when I was a new mom, I would go to, and I, I didn't have the community that I have now. Um, I would go to you know, a random play group, and I would leave, and I would think, I mean, I just, I, I, I think, like this is, you know, I'm a horrible mom. I'm never going to be that mom. Um, or, you know, I would go to a play group and my child would be the one that is like flailing and, you know, throwing the biggest fit and I'm trying to talk her down. Well, now, and I guess this is just with years, what comes from that is I do have this community where comparison is almost a little bit of a gift for me because it doesn't, um, what I've learned is, and I'll use Sarah and I as an example because we have been such close friends and we do have a lot of similarities, but we are very different. And when we, um, when at the beginning of motherhood, she is very organized and very, um, has a little bit more of a creative bend than I do. And I remember at the beginning of mothering, I'm thinking, like, all of these things are Sarah's, not mine. And so I, I remember leaving her house, and I'm thinking, I hate this scrapbook. Like, my kids are like, you know, I, I, seriously, there's like two pages of my children's baby book done, you know. And I just remember feeling so defeated. But I think the gift of that is what we were talking about this morning we get such gifts from each other in that, and it doesn't have to look the same. We are still passing on the same truths to our children. But don't go to this horrible place that you're the worst mother in the world. Um, you know, and it's funny, this sounds so snotty, but like I, I go and I'm like, can I pay you to make that for me? <laughs> I don't want to do it, and I don't know how to. It's so daunting to me, but it doesn't have to look the same. So that's where I want to encourage you, especially in this part of mothering, 
just to give yourself some grace and know that God has gifted you in a special way. Um, you know, from I think what you were saying this morning, I kind of take more of a nurturing route. Um, I mean, she's very nurturing, but that's something that she's gained from me, something I've gained from her, is that she's very um, practical about things, where, you know, I kind of have the drama chip, so she kind of talks me down, and I don't feel threatened by that anymore. I, it's just a gift, so. Well, and just like knowing, we want our girls to know what they're gifted at, like Jeremy was saying, and we want to encourage that in them. Know your gifts. Know that, you know, I am good at this part of it. I'm good at whatever it is. I'm good at being creative. Okay, so I'm going to use that in my mothering. I'm going to use that in my, in my, I'm sorry, I'm just talking moms right now, but I'm going to use that and not be sad that I'm not like this or I'm not like this friend. So just know who you are in Christ and and, um, and go from there. Um, the second part of comparison um, is self-image. Um, as women, we all know that we at some level all struggle with self-image. What we see in the mirror and um, your, your mother, I don't know, I, I feel like, my belief is that our mothers play a huge role in how we see ourselves. You can tell your daughter all day long that she's beautiful and that God made her beautiful and all of those things, but if you look at yourself in the mirror and she hears you say, I'm fat, I don't like this, I hate my hair, just if she hears you putting yourself down, she will believe that about herself. Our girls want to be as it's one of, I'm sorry, but it's one of the most humbling things as being a mom of daughters. And Abby's getting a little bit out of it, but she has come to my room and she said, Can I have your clothes when you get older? You look so cute, y'all. I mean, when she's 13, she's like, <laughs> But I mean, they want to be you. So what you believe about yourself is so, so important of what they're going to believe about themselves. And so that's, like I said, this is my passion of raising girls of just really uh, just knowing that God created you exactly how he wanted you. And so you're passing that on to them. So let them hear positive words come out of your mouth. Um, husbands, let them hear positive words come out of your mouth that are not just about your beauty, your outer beauty, but, you know, just good things and, and vice versa. I mean, we want to be complimenting one another uh, on that. So... But then also, uh, using godly encouragement, not false encouragement. We read a book uh, with our community group called Raising Unselfish Children in a Self-Centered World. And it's a, it's a good book. Um, and he really focuses on helping your children look at life through a window and not through a mirror. And how so much of our society is all about me. Everything's about me. And um, But how... In everything they do, we want to somehow point them without teaching them to be people pleasers, and he does he does talk about that, but letting them see the world out the window and, and seeing that. Um, a verse I pulled, two verses I pulled for how you believe about yourself and not not making them so puffed up. Uh, Romans 12:3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with measure of faith that God has given you. In Ecclesiastes 4, 4, and I saw all labor and oh, this was a more about comparison. I'm sorry. And I saw all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, of chasing after the wind. Just try and keep up with the Joneses, but that was chasing after the wind. Um, but anyway, going back to the mirror versus the window, one of the examples he gave was he was at the uh, park one day and talking about 
um, there was a little maybe like 18 months old or something playing and they would put the child on the slide and the child would slide down and they would pick it up and they kept saying, you're the best slider in the world, you're the best slider in the world. And he thought, that's gravity, that child actually didn't do anything for that, you know, and so making sure, and then the other example I think, I don't know if this is in the book, we just talked about this. You'll have times where your children in preschool get up and do their little singing things or whatever, and they may just stand there. And they may not, or a ballet was that one, but she may just stand there and not doing any, do anything. And in my opinion, for, you, for afterwards, for you to say, you are the best ballerina ever, when they literally just move, is a false encouragement. And so I think that making sure that our words are encouraging, I am so proud of you for standing on that stage. You did, you were so brave standing on that stage. Or, you know what, you are so brave going down this slide. But just making sure that our words really match their actions, because we don't want them to strive to be the best. We want them to strive to be the best that they can be, but we don't want them to strive to be. And that's another thing he's differentiated between being number one and being the best. We want them to be the best that they can be, but not number one. And again, that goes back to comparing. If I'm number one, that means I'm comparing myself to all of you. And if I'm the best, then I'm just the best and that God created, you know, that I can be. And so um, I thought that was a good thing. Uh, giving her the correct view of herself. Not a false sense of self, but a biblical view of who she is. God made her in his image, but because she lives in a fallen world, she is, in a, she is a sinner in need of a savior. She is not perfect, but he is. I remember being in a parenting thing. Abby was probably six months old, and I remember them talking about the pantry, you know, and I just remember thinking, what are you, you know, I mean, you just, you're still in just kind of bliss of, of the sin nature, and then I feel like once they hit one, and you start seeing, you're just like, wow, I mean, wow, we are sinners, we are selfish, we are, you know, and, and not, I think there's a balance of not focusing on that, you're a sinner, but you know what, you, we make bad choices, and because, and this, you can always go back and we'll talk more about using the Bible of stories of Adam and Eve. They chose their own way. And when you're throwing a tantrum, you are choosing your own way. You are not choosing God's way. And so continuing to say those things, that that is why we need Jesus. That is why we need Jesus. And admitting to yourself. There are times where I say, Mommy messed up. And I am so glad I had Jesus because I didn't do that. I did that in my own flesh. Or I did, you know, I don't want to say flesh. But, you know, I did that because I'm selfish. And, and always letting them see you messed up and and recover well and, and ask for repentance for that or um, I read somewhere that it takes appro- approximately eight positives. I don't know if we're on the next slide. Anyway, or, uh, it takes approximately eight positives to make up for every negative word. Um, so words beat our child down and lower her self-esteem. Watch what you say to her and about her. If your kids are over the age of one, they are comprehending. If they're starting to make words, then they're comprehending the words that you're saying. So if you are talking about them to someone, watch what you're saying. Because even just the things, oh, she's so dramatic. Or so, I mean, you might even not even think about it, but if they're sitting next to you, they are hearing you. And so they are going to start internalizing that about themselves. Even if you're not saying it to them, you are saying it to them. So if they can hear you, I just think that you need to be very careful about um, about what she is hearing from you. Um, and then comparison with siblings, most of you aren't there yet, but once you have your second, it's very easy to put them in a box to say, Abby's my sensitive one, Kingsley's my, you know, she's my compliant one, she's my, you know, whatever. Um, but just don't. I mean, I have to remind myself all the time that they are, and I think especially with the same sex, 
it is very, very easy to have them, you know, want them to have the same little route, and they're and they're just not going to. And so we don't want to hear them. And Abby will sometimes, probably more, she's, she is definitely more sensitive, I'm comparing them, but definitely more sensitive in the fact that if they both get in trouble or if they ask them to do something or if they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing and I say, please go, you know, do this, and Kingsley just goes and does it, and then Abby gets in trouble. Well, why didn't Kingsley, I mean, they, they are going to naturally always fall down. Why doesn't she have to? Why didn't, you know, and all that. And so I have to be careful to not, I mean, I need to point out, well, Kingsley obeyed the first time, but I also don't want to, you know, be doing that in a negative way. Well, and I think so often, I mean, that's what where community also serves a great purpose is that we have that safe place, Sarah and I, to go, and we can articulate the differences in our girls um, and the challenges in, for me, for Jeremy and I, we do have girls that are so different. They're, they are alike in a lot of ways, but I find myself, you realize, when you do kind of put your child in a box, you're setting them up um, to continue on that path or um, for failure, basically. And I think what we try to do is kind of what, what I was saying before, is the qualities that Grace has with her um, sensitivity and more of a nurturing spirit are going to serve her well, and we try to focus on that, that God created her that way. Emma has more of an independent spirit that is going to serve her so well in the future. Um, so we try to really focus on that God created them that way instead of this is such a beat down and I don't know how. And, but there are days that I go to Bible study and I say, oh my goodness, like I'm about to jump off a cliff because I don't know how to parent her. I don't know how. I thought I had this figured out and I don't. You know, and I think that is also a reminder that God uses our children to refine us as well and point us towards Him. It's not us doing this parenting thing correctly. It is a constant opportunity for God to refine us. And that's just where I'm, I have to, yeah, obedience. I think one thing on comparison that I did want to touch on that um, can kind of play in both ways. We laughed about the, the mommy that worries about sending um, their child to the playgroup perfectly quiet. Well, that would be me. Okay, so I have to admit that early on, um, I was that mom that I really placed importance, uh, not intentionally, but looking back, I did, that I wanted the matching bow and I wanted her hair perfect and, you know, in the smock dress, you know, in the middle of 106 degree heat, you know, that was me. And I think that was another gift that Sarah taught me and really convicted me because I remember one day we had a play group and she literally let her girls walk into their closet and choose what they wore. And I mean, it was just like punky first. It was punky first. It was. It was awesome. I mean, it was like nothing matched. And it was awesome. I mean, I just remember looking at that and thinking, what a great gift you just gave your child. Because I don't want my children to think that that's what's important, that you have a matching bow and a smock dress. Yes, and a lot of that at this age is is obedience. I'm going to kind of pull that card when I need to if we're going to a wedding or whatever. And they may not care. Um, yeah, and they may not care. And there is an appropriate time. But I, I have found such freedom with the women in my life to grow in that area and say, Grace, I mean, I just have to look away, but go in your closet. I mean, I don't say that. Just go in your closet. 
you know, wants to change her diaper up because we did on the bed. Right. She just throws her legs up, and so eventually I said to Frank, um, she's be standing now. Mm -hmm. She needs to. And so I just, I think that was something that I learned um, by conversation in building blocks, that, that the modesty thing and the treasure and all that stuff needs to start um, in front of our husband so that they can learn that there's a difference. Right. And um, it, was, it was a hard transition because she didn't understand why. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, it, you don't need to get up and right. throw your legs up. So, <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was helpful from the building block. Well, yeah. we have a similar thing to that, too, and I'm glad you brought that up. Is our four-year-old doesn't really get that with dresses on how to sit properly. So, I mean, there's a lot of times we go out, I'm like, if you're going to wear that dress, you have to wear shorts. Yeah, it's modest. It's um, and there, I mean, there, it's clicking. I was glad to see that Dallas, we're going to public school in Dallas school, <coughs> their skirts and stuff have shorts in them. I was really happy to see that. Skort? <laughs> Where'd you like? some practical things that have worked again. These are just things that have worked for us. You kind of have to tweak it, but we wanted to give y'all options. I don't even know this girl who um, I bought this stuff from because remember, I don't make things. But um, I do have some cards for her if you are interested. Um, these are our kind of family rules. They are, there's six of them, and they're each a different color. I can't, I mean, and each one says, I use kind words. And, then, and a pleasant tone, and it'll have a scripture. Let your words always be full of grace, Colossians 4, 6. And at this age, like, my youngest obviously can't read, but she does know colors. And so I'll point her to, you know, you need to go to the green, you know, verse. And let's read that together, a rule. Be forgiving. You are not forgiving with your sister when she, you know, did A, B, or C. When wronged and asked for forgiveness, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. So we have these frames in a central location in our house, so and our kids know, you know, which one. My seven-year-old, I say, go read the rules and tell me which one, you know, you broke or whatever, and what the consequences. Along with the family verse, we have a friend that taught um, a parenting class too, and the way that they handle it is they have one scripture for the whole year and that's framed like near their kitchen table and then they have three rules and that is it and they apply to everything um, I was hoping that we'd have that but I can get it to you if you want it but like ours we uh, this is a fruit of the spirit and so this is framed where the girls can read it and that's our family verse um, it doesn't have to be the same thing you can write it on a piece of paper and stick it up on a bulletin board but you want it somewhere where your kids are seeing it this has worked for me so, okay, and then we have a bulletin board in our kitchen, and this is what it looks like now. So please know that I have four and seven-year-olds, so it's very, I mean, it's changed a lot. But we just take the verses that we get at church, we just take the verses that we get at church and bring them home. I mean, and then we will listen and obey. I don't know if that's what we're going to do right now, but we will listen and obey, and we just study that all, you know, all night. I think so. Um, and then, and on your mark, you get this prayer calendar thing, but then we also started a prayer jar, and I just made... I mean, this is one of those things Aaron's like. See, um, okay, so here's Matt and Lauren Caroline. That's the family that we pray for regularly. And so we'll, the girls, take, we'll take one out. Oh, they take a picture. It's so cute. And that's 
that's who we pray for. We can pray for them all week. It just depends on what our week looks, you know, what our, how many times we're sitting down to dinner that week, which it changes when they're in school and have soccer practice and all that. So, um, and so I'll, I'll just hang the people of the week up, or we might, each of them might want to pick out two. But we just kind of, I just kind of put who we want to in here. Somebody I know used their Christmas cards from the year before and pulled those out. That's a totally easy way to do it. They, you know, they need pictures at this age.
like the disciplining or spanking for a direct discipline versus a poor choice. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard so many times that don't give them a warning because you want them to learn to obey the first time. Right. But like with Caroline, like if I tell her, like if she hits me, and, well, that's a bad example because it's spanking for hitting, but we do do that. Okay, if she tries to bite me and I spank her right away mm-hmm. versus if she tries to bite me and I say, if you do that one more time, you will get a spanking, she won't do it again because she remembers, oh, yeah, I get spanked when I, when I, when I do that. So I guess my question is, because I feel like at two, is it okay to give them a warning because they're not old enough. Like, she wasn't thinking, she's so impulsive, she wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, if I try to bite you, I get spanked. Right. I, I think so. I mean, I give, I think that's kind of, um, I have done that with both of my girls, especially at Caroline's age, yeah. in the fact that how do they know, I mean, they have to learn what your expectations are. And you would think, yes, she knows not to bite. But so much of that at that age is impulse, yeah. you know, and they just want to. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with yeah. that as long as you remember that you warned and you know you follow up with whatever that consequence right. is. Yeah. I think I think the immediate is when they run the street. I mean, I think it's something that is hurting. I mean, for us that would dangerous. That is just immediate, okay. so they know. Oh my goodness, I'm not supposed to do that. Okay. As opposed to, you know. Yeah. As long as soon you go out there, you're going to tell them.
mothering problem that I, I, I think France right there is supporting me. I don't have that. I mean, I think one thing though from the authority issue that you're talking about, I think it's important for dads, even if it's at night or whenever, that you just, you know, that, hey, listen, kids, you know, I'm going to be at work. You know, she's in charge. She's in charge of this house while you know, I'm at work. But I also need to know that if something goes wrong, that you can, that he is going to come home and as well. Yeah, and I think and being, <laughs> like, yeah. being on the same page hey, is just very, very yeah. critical. So communication with y'all. But I think it's you know, Dad saying, listen, I'm leader of this household, but while I'm gone, Mom is here, and you need to obey her. And if you don't, then she'll just like about it. yeah, and just like you set the expectation for the grocery store. He's leaving and setting the expectations for the day. You, you know, and just to say, hey, these are my expectations as the leader of our household for you to treat mom this way. And I don't know, it's so funny, but they do respond so differently to me versus him. I mean, it's just like manna from heaven when he says it, you know. <laughs> consistent, but then also try that. Have him be, you know, consistent with setting the expectation for the day, and then immediately when he comes home, you know, I can't wait to get the report from mommy. Like, let's hear how your day went. Did you meet daddy's expectations? And kind of y'all together come up with, if it doesn't go the way it goes, what are we going to do? And if it does, what are we going to do? Set that expectation with goals and everything. I think that's a great, you know, resource if that is the, their reaction to him. So. Okay, I'm sorry we've run out of time, um, but Kyle asked if we all would fill out the advice.